You're listening to the Open Court Podcast with Jay Young, Bob Huesler, and Joe DeSantis. An all-access pass to Fairfield University men's basketball. Well, welcome back to Open Court with Jay Young, your one-stop podcast destination for all things Fairfield basketball, along with the coach. I'm Bob Heisler, joined by my broadcast partner, the Fairfield Hall of Famer, Joe DeSantis. are also pleased to be joined today by Stags forward, Alan Jean Rose. We'll be spending some time uh, later on with uh, Alan Jean Rose during the podcast. Right now, though, we'll start it off with Coach and uh, – Coach, uh, have you had enough of bus rides? You yeah. uh, made a trip up to Buffalo. Um, let's see, that would be about a total of 16 hours on a bus, probably closer to 20 total hours on the bus ride back and forth from Williamsburg or to Williamsburg, Virginia. Any good bus stories? Any good road tales coming out of those trips? Got a lot of work done. Uh, watched a lot of film. And other than that, and eat some bad food. Uh, yeah. So other than that, there wasn't a lot of good stories on the bus. But uh, certainly a lot more enjoyable because you win those games coming back on the bus than if you if you lose them, that's for sure. Do, do you actually watch the game film on the bus to the players? Players do not. I Are do. they allowed to? Is that is that? Yeah, they can if they wanted to. They're, they're within, as you know, the – having coached they are world-class sleepers so as soon as, that, <laughs> as soon as that bus hits drive most of them are knocked out but they're allowed to watch the film if so they want in the last three years um when you have had i don't know if there's been any bad losses on a long bus trip have you ever made them put the film on and stood in the back and made them watch the game no no good for you. yeah. you're lucky <laughs> you, did, you did that joe uh I probably did it, and I know I know I had it done to me when I played, no doubt. And when I was an assistant coach, Mitch Bonaguro was uh, the gra- greatest man in the world. We all know Mitch did a great job here, but he was psycho when it came to film. Oh yeah, I was absolutely. On, I psycho. was on some of those bus rides myself and uh, saw Mitch in action. Great guy, lovable guy, one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, it was the but, best. Yeah, when it came down to the nitty-gritty. And it could get interesting. But anyway, 30-plus uh, hours of bus rides uh, are worth it when you come away with, well, in this particular case, two wins up in western New York and the win against William & Mary. And after that William & Mary game, Coach, uh, you said that was probably Fairfield's most complete game so far on both sides of the ball. Now, the offense has been pretty consistent uh, yep. all season long. I mean, you guys are uh, over 70 in all, I believe, but one game. The defense, I know you've been wanting to see improvement in that area. So what particularly did you see defensively from Fairfield in that William & Mary game? Yeah, I started to see it actually the second half of the Holy Cross game. I thought that that was uh, right. huge from us pulling away uh, in that game that in the second half, we were just way more active, blocked some shots quicker to the ball. And I wanted to continue that theme going into uh, William & Mary, and we did. Uh, we defended. We obviously held them under 50 points and uh, just kind of felt that we were connected uh, much more in the second half of the Holy Cross game and the William & Mary game. And that fuels everything we do offensively is our defense. So uh, I was happy with our performance and – uh, you know, looked at the box score afterwards and was I thought we played both sides of the ball uh, against William & Mary. Jay, when you say connected, you, you're talking about some of the schemes you have defensively, the scouting reports you go over. Right. Elaborate on that, maybe some of yes, our listeners. Yes, uh, all, all that stuff, just, you know, we're, we're detailed with our scouts and how we want to play certain coverages um, that we make very few mistakes in that area. 
you know, scouting report mistakes is always a theme for us of, of eliminating those. Uh, just some random things that happen in the game that you might not have scouted that you pick up quickly by communication. Uh, we had a couple of good switches that that were random, uh, and then we switched back and, and got the right matchups. So guys just kind of did that on their own. They kind of it's all about communication. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. So uh, when we're talking, we're usually pretty well connected, and I thought we our communication was good, uh, uh, really good against William and Mary, and we were able to stop them. So, so going into a game, you have obviously it depends on how many days you have to prepare for that opponent. You'll go over more. So you'll go over the players that you'll have the opponent's offenses and their calls. Yeah. And, and do you give them? It's a two-fold question. Do you give them a scouting report that they take home with them and they have to read? We give them the night before. We give them a written copy of okay. uh, the scouting report with what calls. We, we won't have all the team's calls. We'll have some. We'll name the, the ones that we don't have. We'll just call them what we want to name them so there's a, uh, a familiarity with, with what the call is. And then if there's a certain play that we've picked out that we want to do something differently or our coverages, we'll, we'll go over that and, and, and talk about it and, and obviously practice it for two days before the game. We, uh, we know that you demand defense from, from your teams and your players. What is the particular ceiling of this group defensively as you just said you were more connected in the second half of that holy cross game and really saw it come to fruition in the william and mary game and how much further do you see this team uh, going in that regard how much better defensively can you get yeah i think bob there's a ton of room for growth uh in that area uh we were playing really well defensively towards the end of the season last year um especially in the tournament, and I want to kind of pick up where we left off, and we, we didn't do that. We've had good moments, but not consistent enough, and uh, I think there's a ton of room for growth where we could be an elite defensive team. I, I still believe that. Um, we've just got to string more of those moments together and not have the lapses. I thought, you know, first half against Holy Cross, we came out and just had some real defensive lapses with stuff that we kind of rehearsed already, uh, which was disappointing, so we got to eliminate those and but uh, to answer your question, there's a lot of room for growth. And you've also uh, made an adjustment um, in the starting lineup and your rotation. Uh, our guest today, Alan Jean Rose, has become a starter. Jake Wojcik now coming off of the bench. Uh, the thought process on your part that goes into a decision like that? Well, you know, we, we had to sit Jake for one game when we were up in um, – Canisius and it was really an easy decision for me with with AJ Jalen wasn't available um and I really liked the spot that with TJ was in coming off the bench I, I thought he was in a good place and I really didn't want to um mess with his role so AJ had been playing real well as you guys know uh he's a great worker um I, I really appreciate the fact when AJ wasn't in the games I'd always watch the bench and he was always the loudest guy up cheering for his teammates so he's unselfish so it's really an easy decision when we didn't have Jake for that game uh, to move AJ in and, and the defensive matchup helped us in that game as well so uh, he responded with a great game uh, at Canisius and you know did a great job on uh, Niagara's best player in the next game and has played very, very well and has, has helped us, uh, been a great addition to, to what we're trying to do. Yeah, you're referring to that uh, Niagara game, Marcus Hammond, taking him uh, essentially uh, out of that game, neutralizing him very well. Um, you've also been getting extremely good play from your point guard, Caleb Green. It seems he is just much more aggressive right now than he was in the early games of the season. Uh, explain 
what you have seen from him in that regard. Uh, is he, in fact, I'm making a statement, is, do you see a, a, an uptick in his aggressiveness, and has that been one of the keys to his turnaround? Yeah, without a doubt. I, I, I thought he was being unselfish to a fault uh, early in the season, just always looking to pass and get other guys' shots where he had to look for his own shot. His attempts were way down. We had to get him more attempts. You know, he was never going to score taking two attempts a game. Or, he was, you know, uh, he just had to be more aggressive attacking the basket and looking for a shot. He's done that. He's played, like you said, very, very well, and, and hopefully he can continue to do so. The dynamic between him and, and Taj Benning in, in the backcourt, given the fact that Taj once ran your team as the point guard, now he has settled into uh, a year plus of this combination. Your thoughts on how they continue to grow as a backcourt tandem? Yeah, I, I've liked, you know, with their their rhythm and their kind of synergy out there together has been good. We had some really good moments against uh, William and Mary where we shared it, made extra passes, found open guys. Um, and, uh, you know, they've played together now for a while. And uh, someone told me, one of the other coaches I played against said, we play older, and I think he, that's a good statement. We've got some older guys, some veterans, and, uh, you know, just the connection that those two have, you can kind of see on the floor. And uh, But Caleb's an unselfish point guard. He wants to – he'd rather get guys shots than shoot himself, and I think that's what you were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so right now he's playing well. Taj is playing well, and, and all our team, we had another good box score against William Mary with different guys contributing. So that's a good sign. Yeah, as you said after the game, uh, a team win. Everybody who played in that game contributed to the win. And if I can get back to the rotation, starting five and beyond, the bench, which seems to have settled in, full well knowing it's a fluid situation, is given everything being equal going forward, have you settled into this as your rotation, or do you foresee maybe some tweaks along the way depending upon an opponent? I think there are always tweaks, and it's also depending upon, you know, you staying healthy and, and who's available right. for your rotation. But uh, I like uh, where we're at right now. We've obviously won a few games with this lineup and the way that we've been uh, playing. So, uh, you know, I, I think the other thing is it's always less important to me. I think players look at it and fans look at it about who's starting and that type of thing yeah. more than coaches look at it. Um, and I just told the guys to remain unselfish. That's been a good key for us. And don't worry about who's getting credit or who's starting and that type of thing. And, and um, you know, worry about the end result. So, uh, you know, uh, I think we're in a good place, you know, minute-wise and, and distribution of minutes right now. And, but there's always tweaking, I think, that goes on throughout the season for sure. And, Jay, I, I hate to ask you this, but I know our listeners probably want to know, you mentioned that you, you, you sat Wojcik for that game. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us why? Or Yeah, he just, you know, it was a violation of athletic department rules, and that's all I'm going to leave it at. He, he, you know, Jake's a great kid. He, he made a mistake, served a one-game suspension, and we've moved on. So that's all it was. And also, um, first of all, congrats. Your team is playing great. I mean, seven or eight, four in a row, doing it now on both ends. Um, are you, you have some concerns for Zach Chrysler. His production has been down. Can you elaborate on, you know, your feeling towards uh, his play? Yeah, I mean, he, he hadn't scored it, um, and then he came off, and he was our leading scorer versus Niagara uh, and made some big shots for us early. Um, you know, and, and Zach has helped. He's leading us in charges. He helps us. I've talked about this all the time in, in ways that probably don't appear on the box score. Uh, I like the splits of our front court right now. 
Some of it is who's playing well at the time. And some of it is, quite honestly, too, Joe, is the matchup. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. when they go small at the four, these teams go small at the four, which they will in our league, it's a little easier for to have Jesus in there to cover some of those guys. Um, so Zach gives us a, uh, a good defender for a bigger four, and he can also play some five. He's smart to guard some five guys. So I like his role. Uh, you know, he, he, again, he's, he's heavily relying on that three ball, which, which is fine. Uh, and he's been shooting it well in a much better clip this year than he has in the past. And by uh, means of introducing our uh, guest into the podcast, Alan Gene Rose, I'd like to start with you, Coach, because correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he was your first recruit when you got the Fairfield job, and it's a unique story behind how he ended up as a stag. Uh, if I remember correctly, a quick workout, and uh, <laughs> then you got the signature on the – on the dotted line, but why don't you take it from there? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, obviously when I got the job here, we had considerable amount of scholarships open, and um, it was April, and uh, just not a lot of available guys out there that I thought could advance the program, and I was looking to get a little more athletic and have some length on the wing, and uh, I'm good friends with Charlton Young, uh, no relation, but he's the assistant coach at Florida State, and he called me to congratulate me about the job. And he, uh, you know, told me about AJ. Said, we got a guy down here that's been to our camp and that I know he plays at a very small school. But uh, I think he's got a chance. And Charlton was the head coach at Georgia Southern, too. So he kind of knows the level and, and what I was looking for. And he said, you might have to wait on him a little bit because he's only been playing basketball in the States for a couple of years. And uh, so I flew down. On the last day, I think I was available to go to recruit, flew down, watched him dribble around a few cones uh, in a small gym at a Catholic school, watched him take a few jump shots, and uh, that was all about I got to see. Uh, and, and just, you know, was obviously get a chance to spend some time with him. was a great kid and, um, you know, just took a chance on it. And, and really, we had so many scholarships at the time, Bob. It, it was kind of an easy decision just, just to – thought if we got a high character kid in here and someone was willing to work that he could only get better and that's what he's done well uh aj and do you like going by that um i mean they've been calling me aj for the past three years so like because it's actually not alan is your first name standalone then it's gene hyphen rose correct yep so it's actually ajr if you really want to yeah it's it's whatever what do your teammates call you aj all the time all right it's going to be aj then why don't you tell us about your part of that story involving coach young how did you learn that he was going to be coming down to see you what other interest had there been up to that point from say other uh, colleges that wanted to maybe bring you in as a player bring us uh, up to date as to how that meeting came together um so like he said coach young from florida state so i had a discussion with him um just a few days before um i got a call for coach young he told me that he told me um, to uh, some co- a few coaches, um, and then I was just waiting for my my chance to get a call, and just you know I was trying to stay as ready as possible, and um, I got a call from Coach Young from Coach Young, um, telling me that he was gonna come down to uh, to sit down and have a uh, discussion, and it went well, and here I am today. Were there any other schools interested in, in you at that point? Yeah, yeah, there was uh, a few, but no scholarship offers and you obviously uh, came to this country and we'll get into that in a moment with the express purpose of becoming not only a better basketball player but playing at the highest level yeah uh, did 
that had to have made your decision uh, a lot easier uh, to, because, of course, Fairfield, a Division One program. But at any point did you say, you know, maybe I should hold out a little bit here and, and see what else is out there? I mean, obviously the past two years have been hard for me, um, you know, finding out, like, who I, who I am and who, what's my role in the team. And um, I just had to be patient and just keep working, keep my head up every time that coach gets on, get on me and, and I'm – and I'm glad that I did that today, and uh, I'm glad that I'm able to show what I can do on the court now. Yeah, it actually, there's clearly a payoff here in that coach saw something in you, and then you had the, uh, the patience and the maturity, actually, to, uh, to stick through it uh, to, the, to this point where you have now clearly taken the next step. But let's get back to uh, who you are and where you came from. Um, you're from the island of uh, the Caribbean island of Martinique, I'm going to hazard a guess here. There have not been too many Division One basketball players to come out of Martinique. The way you're looking at me right now, there are others. So why don't you tell us uh, who they may be? Well, it's only well right now. It's only two of us. It's me and one of my friends that plays for Gardner Webb University. And that's it, as yeah, far as yeah, that's it. Historically, oh uh, uh, yeah, there's uh, Ronnie Turioff. Of course, Ronnie okay. Turioff uh, plays for Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. And um, there's another kid, but I forgot his name. It's just, he's not. He's playing pro in France now. So well, Turiaf yeah. is one we'll add to the uh, the list. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. But still, it's not what you would consider a basketball hotbed. So how did you get interested in the sport? Okay, so first I want. I actually wanted to play soccer, but my grandfather did not want me to play soccer at all. And so that's because. I have no idea. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to tell you. Even till today, I can't even tell you. But I'm glad that he forced me to play basketball because I ended up loving playing the sport. So I'm glad that. So the flip side of that with your grandfather was, okay, no soccer, but you're going to be a basketball player. That, that's how he kind of steered you in that direction. Yeah, that's exactly how happened. He actually, I was actually mad that I wouldn't be able to play soccer. But... I mean, I was good playing basketball, so. Well, what uh, opportunities in Martinique are available to, uh, to play basketball? Uh, well, today it's really like, there's really no really good opportunities for the kids now. Um, probably before it was really more, I mean, not a lot of opportunities, but a few. And the only opportunity that I really got was to attend Ronnie Trier's, uh basketball camp right there. And... Um, you know, I played good, um, and then we stayed in contact and um, hooked me up with a lot of a uh, few people in the state, and that's how I got here. Well, th- that is obviously the key to the uh, entire sequence, getting hooked up with some people mm-hmm. in the states. But back up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. At what point did you begin to and others begin to realize you had true basketball potential? Um. I will say probably around 2014. I was playing well with my team back there, but um, you know, um, I never really got the chance to like prove it like at a high level. Even like when I was going to France, like um, we didn't. My team wasn't that good, so they were they wasn't even looking at us like for, uh, like that. So it was kind of hard to show like what you could do. But I'm glad that Ronnie. Um, He's a good guy, and he's, you know, 
he's looking a, a lot for the kids and uh, you want the kids from where he's from to be successful and um, that's what helps me to get where I am today. So from the sounds of things, Ronnie Turiev has been one of your guiding lights here. You also just mentioned a moment ago about going to France. Mm-hmm. Now that is a basketball hotbed. So yeah. what was the opportunity presented to you to be able to uh, compete and develop as a basketball player in France? Well, in France was only, I only went to France for a few tournaments. So it wasn't nothing too crazy, but um, the coaches there wasn't really they were watching our games, but they wasn't really interested in the players for our, from our team, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. They were probably mostly watching the other guys, like the better prospect from the other team that we would play against. And um, we just never got our chance. Like, people from our team never really got their chance. So. But getting back to that States connection, now somebody saw your basketball talent, and somebody said, listen, if you get to the United States, you can begin to develop those skills who were those people, and how did you actually end up in the U.S. and in Florida, to be specific? Okay, so it's a long story, because um, after I met with Ronnie, he hooked me up with a guy in France that was hosting a camp in Los Angeles. So uh, the summer of 2016, I went to Los Angeles in the camp to play a few AAU games, um, and then that went well. Um, there was a few high school coaches that were there, um, and they saw me play, and they were interested. They got interested in me, so uh, I stayed in contact with one of them. And then the high school that he was going, the high school that he was coaching at was actually in Florida. So the next month after I got back home, I went right back to the state and started my school. Who were your, uh, who was your support system family in, in, in Florida when you made the? Um that the big decision to leave Martinique. At first, I didn't have nobody. It was just me, uh-huh. my teammates. I was just in the dorm with the teammates. My parents were back home. My mom left uh, in October. She came to see me, and she left, and then I was on my own from the, from the, from that moment. And um, yes, yeah, so I was just living with my teammates. Uh, coaches was at his house, and it was just school basketball, and just go back to the dorm. That's a very very big decision to make at that age yeah, it, uh, it had to keep you maybe awake at nights uh, to, to uproot and leave your family and, and basically be on your own at that age yeah. did you ever have second thoughts about it uh no not really because I really wanted to uh, play basketball and um, even though it was hard, very 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 hard leaving my family because I didn't have no one to look up to at that time in 2016 um, so I just had to figure it out on my own and just keep like playing and uh, do as best as I can to get where I want to be. And if I have the facts right, the first high school that you enrolled in, in, in Tallahassee, and I don't know the pronunciation, Rickards, Ricard, Rickards High School, yeah. Rickards High School, yeah. uh, you were six games into your freshman year at Rickards, mm-hmm. and then you were declared ineligible because of immigration problems. That had to be a terrible blow. Um, describe the, your feeling when that happened and how you recovered. It was very hard moment. Um, I had no idea what to do at that time because um, as an international student, you're not allowed to go attend a public school in the United States. So um, I didn't know what to do. And I, uh, I just stayed in contact with my coach that went to Rickers. He was trying to do as best as he could to uh, keep me 
in this team and in this school. Uh, but unfortunately, it did not work, and uh, I had to transfer to another school that, that next and year. That other school was uh, St. John Paul. Why don't you tell St. me? St. John Paul II. Okay, where you thrived and uh, where you won a state championship as a senior. And um, you started to get some attention uh, in a year where you were all state and had the thrill of winning the state championship in overtime. You put through a dunk at the buzzer, correct? Mm, yeah. Made the ESPN top ten. Yeah. Um, that had well. You've also had a great moment here at, at Fairfield. You uh, had that moment against Monmouth when you went coast to coast. When Coach Young has told us he's happy he didn't get the timeout he was looking to take. Well, apparently he called the timeout, but the ref didn't hear it. So <laughs> yes. I don't know what the story behind that. Is. So it seems like uh, you have a you have a tendency to be able to find yourself uh, in the middle of these. Uh, these, these game-winning, thrilling moments. Uh, how do you rank those two moments, uh, the, the one where you won the state championship with a dunk at the buzzer in overtime and then beating Monmouth and a thriller in Bridgeport? Well, the dunk was just a great feeling. Just, I don't know, I felt like it was a great accomplishment because I, I never got to this point um, to like even a state championship game before. And Monmouth, just a regular season, but... I'll, I'll probably like that dunk better than Mama's game. Yeah. So, AJ, we're going to fast forward now to your career at Fairfield. Um, your freshman year, 15, 11 starts, 15 minutes a game. Last year, you dropped some. First uh, six games, forgive me for doing this, but we're not going to include Medgar Evers. Five of those games, 15 minutes you played seven points with a DNP against Sacred Heart. <clears throat> I, I don't think we have a, enough time, but... Take me through your feelings your first two and a half years, and I, I don't want I don't want to ask you any ins, you know to give me inside information or to make coach upset or you know they have this thing called the transfer portal, mm-hmm. and I always say having been a player and a coach at this level, for every one person that's telling you the right thing in one ear, ten people are telling you the wrong thing in the other ear. Have you ever entertained the, the, the thought, the idea that maybe this wasn't the right place for you? And then in saying that, you've had a great last four games. I mean, three starts, you're, you're averaging 25 minutes, almost 13 points, 71% from the field and great defense. So take me through real quickly your thought process the last two and a half years and what clicked in. I, Bob and I, I don't want to put words in you, but Bob and I were at a couple of your practices and we noticed – we talked about it, right, Bob, how you look like a different player with more confidence. So something must have happened. Can, can you just, you know, tell us your, your train of thought as to what happened the last two and a, year, two and a half years, how you went up and then down, and now you're, you're back? Um, first coming in as a freshman, I was kind of, I would say, lost because um, I was still trying to figure out myself and, uh, like I said before, like find my role in the team. Um, the second year was even harder with everything that went down, but, um, I never thought about transferring, transferring, I never thought about that because, um, actually I'm going to say something nice because I appreciate Coach Young because he's the only one that took the chance on me and me transferring, I don't think that would look good on me because he, he had the scholarship, he gave me the scholarship, so. I did not want to just transfer just like that. I just wanted to prove that uh, I wanted to be here and then I was willing to do anything to play and uh, get on the court. Um, but yeah. 
Well, I got to commend you then because, you know, we all tend to generalize kids today, especially in athletics and especially in basketball. A lot of kids won't, don't want to, and I teach this a lot in my basketball academy, they don't want to look in the mirror and see that they need to improve. So you recognized that this was a struggle for you, and yet you had to correct yourself and make yourself better. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, there's definitely a few nights where I just sat there and just looked at myself into the mirror, like, what are you doing? Like, um, and then uh, I thought about what Coach Young always says, is he always says that, um, what do you say? Uh, the, more you, the more you give, I, f- I forgot. The more you give, the more you, uh, the, the more you, you will get back. And I always thought about that. And I, deci- I just decided this year to just take it to another level and just work my ass off. That's okay. You can say that. Don't worry about it. Just, oh, we're good. And just, um, <laughs> That's nothing. <laughs> and, just, and just, you know, keep working and just keep grinding. And uh, I'm glad that I did that. And I'm glad that it's finally, like, paying off. What specifically did you do in the offseason? And we'll, we're going to also qualify that by saying last year's preseason offseason was, like I said, it, last year almost is like did that really happened. And we're still going through COVID-related stuff. But you had a quote-unquote normal ramp-up to this season. What specific work did you put in to improve your game? I mean, I just worked and just kept working um, – Especially with Mike, our uh, uh, trainer, uh, it really helped me to get my body, uh, have a better body, be stronger, um, and just we just kept walking and uh, working in the gym with the coaches. Um, when I went back home, I didn't have that much opportunity to work as much as I wanted to. But as soon as I came back, I just worked even more. Coach, um, why don't you? give us an idea of the kind of player that A.J. has become compared to what he was when he first arrived here and what is his ceiling going forward? Yeah, I mean, honestly, when when A.J. first got here in the ideal situation, he probably would have been a great candidate to redshirt um, just because he needed to get stronger. He had played so little basketball in the U.S. Uh, all of it was new to him. So I always sit, I used to come back and just say he's on overload just from all the stuff that we're trying to make him do. And, and uh, he was way behind, but we weren't in that situation to do that. After our first year ended, I think I've said this to you, the two guys that I was really interested in getting in the gym during the summer and, and starting the development because I thought we had two really good players. They would just need to work at it was AJ and Chris and then COVID hit and the summer got wiped out. So I just didn't think that there was any progression for the, uh, AJ or Chris, for that matter, because of COVID. And they came back in September and really weren't much different than they were when they left in March. And that hurt us and hurt them. So what you see now is AJ with a summer of lifting and working and being in the gym. It's what I envisioned he would be if there wasn't COVID after a sophomore year. And, uh, you know, uh, he's he's settled into a great role for us. I think he's accepted it. He's perfected it. He knows what I want him to do. Uh, he's doing exactly what I want him to do. Not trying to do too much. He he's uh, he's doing a great job, and uh, he's worked on his game. 
And I always say, you know, that's where the, the magic's in the work. And he's, he gets in the gym, he works with the coaches, and he's obviously you can tell he's a great kid and he's very coachable. So uh, this is this is where I thought he would be, and he's still got a lot of room for improvement. Six foot seven athlete playing at a Division One level and playing at a very high level now, uh, defensively in particular, offensively. Let me start with AJ, and then I'll bounce it back to you, Jay. How much more do you think you can develop at the offensive end, AJ? Oh, I I think I can get better like in every part of the game even attacking to the rim obviously shooting on um, threes and um, yeah just making plays for my teammate and coach given the fact that he is an excellent defensive player and that alone satisfies much of what you want from him what do you see as his potential as far as being able to contribute offensively all well knowing you have a lot of offensive answers on this team but what can a how can aj be even more of a part of that yeah I, I think the continued work on his jump shot um and and you know picking his moments i'm always a big believer for aj that that you got to have a, a great box score and shoot a high percentage because you're only going to take good shots for us and he's done that uh his drives have been better he's kind of figured out when he should when he shouldn't go um but he's got room for growth there but he's really honestly bobby's doing exactly what i want him to right. do um, and he's been a, a, a really good blend in there uh, with the other guys so far. So there's room for growth, for sure, as he just explained. But uh, if, if you ask me, you know, what's he, he, he's doing what I want him to do, and that's why he's played so well, and that's why he continues to, to get the minutes. He's, he's, he's deserved them. I'm going to give A.J. a chance here to express his feelings for Jay Young, but what I'm going to ask you to do is express it in French. And, <laughs> and you can speak as much French as you want and tell us exactly what you think. I'm going to have this young. translated, AJ, so don't, you know. No, go ahead. Go, give, us, give us some good French and what you think of Coach Young. Um, coach Young is a coach that can be difficult sometimes, but he has always a good thought behind it. He wants to do well for his players, to push them to give their best every day. And I think it's something he's done depuis these three last years. You know, there are two things that come out of that. Number one... Uh, it sounded sounded good. There's nothing you <laughs> can't say in French that doesn't sound good. Yeah, just, yeah. Did, he could have just said, well, you yeah. know what I'm thinking. He could have said, it just sounds great. The other yeah, thing is Google Translator is a wonderful thing. And that's the first thing I'm going to do when uh, I listen back to this podcast is uh, hold, uh, hold the machine up to uh, the computer and have Google translate what you said, which I'm sure is is all positive. Uh, we are running short on time, as we always do, which is a compliment to you, AJ, because you have a great story. We could have even gotten into more of it, but I wanted to ask Coach a few uh, house about a few housekeeping items, including uh, the games coming up this week against FDU. We're talking to you on Tuesday. You're going to um, play them on Wednesday, and you're back on a bus tonight, right? So right. Uh, you're going to... Um, you're going to lay up in a hotel tonight. The team needed a little bit of a break. You didn't. The last thing you wanted to do was get on a bus on Wednesday in rush hour. Right. So, uh, but I guess what I'm asking about is the general uh, physical, um, the, the, the the team's physical sense right now. They've got to be a little weary from from all this traveling and, and competing at a high level. So, um, how do you sense their ability to keep it going against FDU on Wednesday night? Yeah, we 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 are. I think we are a little weary. I've been trying to you know be cognizant of that the last couple of days in practice. But we've we've played a lot of guys. We have got a deep bench, so I think that's to 
you know, our advantage on these road trips. But, you know, you really have no other choice. This is what this level is and this time of year. You've got to run into games. We get uh, multiple road games in a row. And, there's, you know, we're going to have to go in and, again, play well to win. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be FDU's first home game. So I'm sure they'll be excited. Uh, they're desperately seeking a win. So we're going to have to go in. Same story I gave Givens, William & Mary. We're going to be in a dogfight. We've got we to gotta play well. We've got to execute. We did that on uh, Sunday. We're going to have to do it again on, on Wednesday. And where uh, are the uh, the kids at in terms of exams? What what part of this academic uh, calendar are we at right now? So we're ready to start finals. So this is uh, our reading day today. And uh, finals start, is it tomorrow or the next day, AJ? I think the next day. Next day, yeah. AJ doesn't really know. So <laughs> <he's>, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we're in that we're in that portion of, of uh, school now where they got a lot going on, too. So it's it's hectic. And I asked you about the team's physical well-being as a group. How about individually? I know Jalen is the biggest concern right now. Still, He's having trouble with the other foot. Right. Uh, how much closer is he to getting through that? He's going to be out for a while. Yeah, um, we're looking at a few weeks now with the other foot. Um, so it's it's unfortunately, you know, some overcompensation there coming back from the uh, injury. And uh, we're still looking at probably a few weeks with him where he's healthy enough okay. to try it again. But knock on wood, everybody else is, is good. Everybody's good, yeah. A couple, just the normal stuff. Right. A couple sniffles, a couple colds, a couple aches and bruises, but we're ready to play. And that's that portion of the program. I always turn to my partner. And any final questions, Joe? Yeah, I have I have a few, but you got to give me quick answers. Your major? Communication. Communications. Best friend on the team? Chris Milo. Cool. Okay. Um, have you found a restaurant in the area that reminds you of home? Uh, Latino Deli in Bridgeport. Cool. Yeah. Nice. And uh, has any of your family been able to see you play live? Yep. A lot, a few, once, uh, twice? A few on Illegal Streams website. <laughs> How about um, um, the, the, the thing you like the most about Fairfield University in general? Um, I'll say the people. Thank you. That's a good job by good. Joe. <laughs> yeah. You know, most of the time I turn to Joe for that final question portion, AJ, and he's like, I have nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but he had a lot for you. I got nothing. Which was good. We didn't get into UMass. I know that's a big uh, challenge for you uh, uh, on Sunday. We'll look forward to uh, actually doing a lot of catching up. We'll be with you again in two weeks uh, prior to um, the Wagner game, I, I believe, if I have my timing right. But, uh, Coach, you're in a great spot right now. Four straight wins, seven uh, in your last date. So uh, best of luck keeping it going. And uh, we'll be looking forward to uh, wrapping things up for the calendar year next time we get together. And AJ, uh, really enjoyed uh, having you on for the first time. Looking forward to uh, many more times because, as I said, we uh, just scratched the surface here today. And uh, it's a great story. Keep up the great work. Thank you for having me. That'll do it for this edition of Open Court with Jay Young. Next up, some more road games for the Stags. Wednesday night at FDU and then Sunday at UMass and then finally back home to play Wagner on Thursday afternoon, December the 23rd. Special thanks to Alan Jean Rose for being with us today and for Jay Young and the Fairfield Hall of Famer Joe DeSantis and our great producer Ryan Moynihan. I'm Bob Heisler. Thanks for listening to Open Court. The Open Court Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. For future podcasts, videos, news, stats, and coverage of Fairfield Stags men's basketball, log on to fairfieldstags.com.